This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 1984's The Mutilator, directed by Buddy Cooper and John Douglas. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. B will continue to have a baby uh, yeah, <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so that's always going to be, I think, part of the life updates now. Yes, is the baby. Yes, keeping him alive. Yeah. Still on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. We'll have one more episode probably with me on leave, and then I unfortunately have to go back to work, and then. I'll probably have nothing to contribute to the pop culture check-in because I'm going to go to work and then take care of my baby and yep. go to sleep. Yep, I know. It'll be sparse. Yeah, that's true. So. Um, B and Liam kept me company while I decided to do adult things this week, which was nice. Yeah. I bought a comforter set and a new bathroom rug and pillows, and I think I'm going to go back for that nightstand we saw. So much adulting. Yeah, I know. So we did adult stuff, but we also did pop culture stuff. Um, I mean... Game of Thrones ended, so B is just now starting Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, which I always said I was going to do. I was like, oh, you watch Game of Thrones? I'm like, no, I'm going to wait till it's over. So, technically, I lied. I, I'm like halfway through the first season. Yeah, you started a so week before I it ended. I started a week before it ended. Yeah. But with everybody obsessively talking about it, I'm like, and the now is the time for me to watch it, because I have free time. Yeah. So I started it, and it's interesting. Uh, yeah, no spoilers. I mean, obviously the finale was today, the day that we're recording. Um, so I watched it and it's, I liked it. It's fine. I think it's serviceable. Um, after I think what, seven seasons, eight, I don't know. I'm not a huge Game of Thrones guy. Like it's fine. Like the show is fine. I didn't obsess over it like a lot of people. Um, I don't know. It's just not my show to obsess over. Um, I, you know, if HBO, if I had to pick any HBO show to do that, it'd be True Detective. And I love True Detective, and that's the show that I, like, get more invested in. Uh, Big Little Lies is okay, I guess. Um, The second season of that's coming out. I die. uh, The HBO show I got into this week, or last two weeks, was Barry. So B kept telling me to watch it, and then um, our friends the Kazers are really into it, and they kept telling me to watch it. So finally, I literally binged the first season in a day. Um, Because it's nice, every episode's only, like, 30 minutes yeah they're not hour long Mm -hmm. um and the first season's only like seven episodes seven or eight and so i binge watched the first season and i'm two episodes into the second season and it's fantastic bill Hader is the best i love him um i we talked about it probably 
like a month or two ago yeah. on, on the show. Um, and everything she said stands true. It's just like a very dark comedy. And Henry, Henry Winkler is hilarious in it. Um, and Bill Hader, I just, if you watch for the credits too, he writes and directs a bunch of the episodes. He's mm, just, he created the show. He's so talented. It's ridiculous. It's not yeah. even fair. Um, but he, he's just like awkward presence in like his comedic timing is so good. Um, so that I, I binged through that. Um, and then I also, I just kind of watched, I watched wine country and I think oh, yeah, we watched, watched it too. too. Yeah. And we both kind of, yeah, fine. Exactly. I think we both walked away from it feeling the same. Um, it's great moments. Yeah. It's Overall, Amy Poehler's it's debut feature and it feels like a debut. Like it's kind of disjointed and it yeah. doesn't really have a voice, but like it's, it does have good moments and like the cast is incredible. Um, it felt like a TV show, like mm-hmm. half a season of a TV show in a movie format. It was like with no real like plot develop. There mm-hmm. is, but it do- there's not a huge payoff. It's um about these women who worked in Chicago at a pizza place together in their twenties, college esque age, and here they are, like in their late forties, turning fifty, mm-hmm. and they're getting together to go to Napa to stay in a house for one of them turning fifty. Mm-hmm. An excuse for them all to get together. And it sort of individually shows where each one of them is in their life and how that plays a role in their friendship. Unfortunately, that isn't really, doesn't really pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, there's moments, but that's sort of the point of it. But really, the best parts of it are just the comedic bits. Yeah, I mean, uh, like we said, the cast is great. Amy Poehler, Maya uh, Rudolph, uh, Rachel Dratch, Anna Gasteyer, uh, um, the big one for B and I, Paula Pell is in it. Yeah, we fell in love with her. And we both, yeah, just fell in love I'm with her. She was now. great. She's um, so good. She's a writer. Um, her main like thing in her career is she wrote on SL, SNL for a very long time. Yeah, um, if you type in Wine Country in Google right now, the second story is, you might not know Paula Pell's name, but you've loved her comedy for decades. And mm-hmm. I just feel like she really is the shining star of that film absolutely yeah um and she's great i mean tina fey's really good in it too because she has like a guest spot in it and i also enjoy like the one male character which is jason swartz oh yeah anyways but his character in this Mm -hmm. is particularly funny yes i agree his character was really good too so i mean it's it's definitely like worth a watch just Uh to like support i mean all those fantastic people and um emily spivey that was the other character um so, yeah, watch that, and then I watched Paddington, because everyone has, so, like, last, I think it was, like, last year that Paddington 2 came out, uh-huh. and, like, if you're part of film Twitter, like, everyone oh was God. like, no, seriously, guys, fucking Paddington 2 is so good. So, I watched the first one, um, because I was kind of just, like, looking for something, I was like, oh, everyone loved this movie. It's adorable. It's very lovable, um, and very quirky, and well-acted, and... Ben Wishaw is the voice of Paddington, and I'm, I'm actually, like, a weirdly big Ben Wishaw fan because I love him as um, as Q in the James Bond movies. Um, so I really liked it. So if you're looking for something just, like, fun and bright and colorful, Nicole Kidman's in the first one. She's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just a lot of fun. And then um, lastly, the last one I'm going to touch on is... Um, and B and I talked about this either last episode or the one before because... 
one of the movies that we covered, one of the guys worked on The Changeling. Um, we were talking about how, like, it's a very well-revered movie. And so I finally watched it. And holy shit, what a fantastic film that is. Um, it's so, I mean, it's basically kind of like a ghost. It's a ghost story. Like, a little bit Haunted House, but more of a ghost story. And it's so creepy and just, like, really, really well done. Um, and once you see it, you can just see shades of it and so much of what is happening now and, like, specifically, like, the Blum universe. Um, like, everything James Wan kind of does. I think the writer wrote something we just covered, but I can't remember. Um, so I think it's on Shudder. Yeah, it's definitely on Shudder. So if you guys don't have Shudder, first of all, you need it. It's $5 a month and it has one of the most, like, diverse and well, like, storied rosters of horror movies that you can find on the internet because it's actually curated, like, handpicked by, um, horror fans, Craig Engler and Sam Zimmerman, both, uh, like, run Shudder and they're incredible. So definitely sign up for Shudder and then check out The Changeling if you haven't seen it. I know I'm, like, way behind. It's just one of those ones that kind of, like, you know, it missed, I missed the mark on it. Um, like, I don't know, there's some horror movies out there that are, like, really famous, uh, I still haven't seen Rosemary's Baby, and I probably never will because I don't mm -hmm. want to support Roman Polanski. Mm -hmm. um, but there's yeah, That's there's one just of the ones those that movies. Makes me sad, like, but I feel like it's one of the ones that I mean I know I've seen so much from it that I don't really like. I understand what Rosemary's Baby enough is like, like you know the beats that I don't need to see it. But it's one of those ones that if I would have seen it before, I think it, I would have it would have been okay but because i never saw it and now thinking of it i'm gonna find out while b does her pop culture check-in i'm gonna find out what the hell movie we covered with the changeling i was like oh was it prom night but it no. was um prom night it was the, the original prom, prom night oh 84 yeah. okay okay he, wrote the, he was one of the writers on the changeling got it yep Okay, what did I do? So I've done, I like wrote about it on Twitter, like before I went into labor, like, oh, I'm hoping I can use my maternity leave to catch up on movies and TV and, you know, keeping a human alive. And really, that's all I've done. Um, but not so much movies, typically, of me. And I've just been watching so much TV. So I, so HBO. So I watch Barry, like I said, um, I'm caught up. Um, the second season's on right now. Um, it's going in even like crazier and getting darker, which I really like. Um, there's one episode that's like, there's a little girl involved and it's kind of like batshit crazy and like not something I really even expected out of the show. Like it, I'm going to pull a Degrassi line and just say it goes there. Oh my God. Um, but it's, it's good and it continues to be good and I'm excited to see the future of the show and sort of where they take it. Cause it kind of has a Dexter-esque feel, um, now where I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, okay, like. What show are you talking about? Barry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I missed it. I'm sorry. Where they're, I keep going like, well, no, well, how can they go on from this? And like, what else could they do? And then they find stuff to do and it's still hella good. You know, because this character's, you know, killing people and in, in precarious situations all the time. And I'm like, oh my god. So, the suspense, like, even season long and anticipating what's to come is really exciting about that show. Then I started Game of Thrones, um, which seems fine. We'll see how I feel about it <laughs> yeah. as we continue. 
Um, but I'm just in it for the, you know, I think it's one of those things that if I had had people to watch it with, it would have been one of those shows that I watch live, but it's one of those, it's an event show. Yeah, um, it's super an event show. And so if I can't watch it like that, where it's like really exciting, you talk about it like that, um, I have to wait until it's over so I can bench it because I'm not going to fucking remember. And it's not going to hold my attention if I'm doing it solo. Um, but I will say it's super, uh, it's super soapy. Oh, and yeah. And that I enjoy soaps. So it's just like a fantasy soap. So Yeah, it's high fantasy soap opera. Yeah. Um, so it's keeping me interested. Like I was watching it with my husband and he just decided he wasn't going to keep watching it. And so I'm like, all right, well, I guess I get to like binge through it. Um, and then I started the leftovers. Um, oh yeah. Which is another HBO show that ended, I want to say last year, the year before. Isn't Jason Drew in it? Yes. Jason Thoreau, whatever. Thoreau, his whatever his last name is. Uh, Jason um, married to Jennifer Aniston for a while. Uh, yeah. And no longer. Yeah. They were together for a long time though. Um, so this is a show with that common sort of like, um, what is that? The rapture. Yes. Yeah. I'm like the resurrection. What is that other Bible R word? The rapture. So it's like a whole rapture theme. I don't know if it is the rapture. I haven't gotten that far. I'm about to finish season one, but, um, I enjoy this theme in television. I think it's a really interesting concept. So in this specific show, um, this one day in October, 2% of the population disappears just in thin air. Um, and then it catches you up three years later. So it's like the third anniversary and that's where the show starts. Um, and it follows this, um, small town. And so you kind of have like an ensemble cast and you're seeing how it affects all of them. And 2%. Uh huh. So it's not like an exceptional number. So it's interesting. Um, and yeah, there's a good mystery behind it. Um, the ensemble cast is great. It's very well acted and it's not, um, it's definitely not one where I'm like, oh my God, I have to see the next episode. I have to like right, get to the next one. Yeah. It's not like super like hooks and grabs you, but it's just really well done and excellent TV. Um, so I'm taking it. I mean, obviously I have HBO right now, um, in anticipation of big little lies. Um, I'm just keeping it. So, you know, I powered through like Silicon Valley and I've been powering through mm-hmm. a lot of their shows. So I'm just trying to, I tried watching the first episode of Westworld. I watched the pilot. Oh, I didn't I just, like it. It's not, I can't get into it. I couldn't it. get into it. I know I, everyone's obsessed with it, but yeah. it's not for me. I don't, I'm really, so Watchmen's coming out, which I'm a huge comic book fan. So I'm very, like my interest has peaked. And then they just showed the trailer for, did you ever read his Dark Materials or The Golden Compass? oh so the golden compass was a huge like YA book when i was growing up um and i love it and it's like weirdly so they made the movie and the movie was okay they made that like yeah i watched that forever ago now yeah um but the books are like hardcore religious um and like slanted against religion so they get like it's weird because they're written as YA books but there's like this really deep dark hidden kind of like fuck religion thing in them um and usually their books end up being hidden jesus i call them the hidden jesus yeah like the lion the witch and the wardrobe yeah well no that's pretty obvious oh yeah yeah i mean movies like i am legend where it's like oh this is low-key a jesus movie yeah um it's like slanted against religion so it's been like banned in a lot of places and like kind of like Uh. 
it's very interesting. But the movie couldn't go as dark as it wanted to because it was straight up just trying to ride. Like, that's when everyone was trying to be the next Harry Potter, you know? They yeah. were doing Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and, like, all those movies. Oh, yeah, I um, they made movies of those. There's three Narnia movies. Yeah, but they... That's such a weird... Uh, they're out of order and, like... And they're, like, five years apart. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, such interesting um, marketing Like, because there was, decision. what? Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, and then didn't they do The Village of the... Or The Voyage of the Dawn Treader? I, I think know. they did. They did three of them. I only oh, watched wow. the first one. But they showed the trailer for the... Anywho. They're doing a His Dark Materials. That's the name of the trilogy of books. Um, for the Golden Compass. For the Golden Compass, yeah. So HBO's doing it, so it can be dark. Ooh. And James McAvoy is starring in it, and it looks fantastic. Isn't James I'm, McAvoy in Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe? He is. as yeah. Mr. Tumnus. Yeah. yeah, he is. Um, it's full circle, guys. Full circle. Yeah. But I am excited, for, so that those two are the reasons, and Big Little Lies are all three. I'm keeping them for HBO yeah. for those three, so I feel you. Yeah, so I'm going to continue. If you have any HBO show recommendations, um, send them my way, because I will continue. I watched Silicon Valley, absolutely loved it, so mad. It took me so long to watch it. Um, I still watch it. It's so good. Yeah. I've um. So I mean, Sex and the City, like OG, love that show. I'll always watch you that show. Power through Sopranos now. Yeah, I mean, Sopranos. I definitely need to watch. I mean, that's like, like the one start of, those of the revolution of TV. I don't want to watch because I'm not very interested. But I know it's like the powerhouse, like that. And it Six Feet started Under, the revolution. Like, yeah. Oh, so I will continue to watch Six Feet Under. Last time I got HBO, I started Six Feet Under. I really liked it, and then I didn't have HBO anymore, and I kind of forgot. It's a great cast. Anywho, I will say that. Then I left HBO and I went to the CW. So of new, course. new and last season, of course, because let's stay on brand here. Yeah. Uh, new and last season of I Zombie, created by Rob Thomas, is is it over? Not yet. Oh, okay. It so just right. aired. First episode just aired. Um, and so I rewatched the last half of the last season on Netflix to refresh myself because I have a terrible memory, and then started the new season excited to see how they the show always had a five season arc and so i'm excited to see how they end that universe um great show uh the characters that they have rose mciver play is like the highlight and rose mciver is great it's great and i really enjoyed this particular zombie universe i think i will always praise and i've said it on the podcast numerous times but rob thomas has exceptional timing he knows when it's time to move the story along in another direction. And so it it's not like shows like Walking Dead where you just feel like you're stalling on a storyline. It's like, okay, how long is it really just going to be them walking around? And mm-hmm. you have no other world. This show does not do that. So if you have zombie like fatigue and you're just looking for like, but you like the idea of zombies and sort of like the horror aspect behind it. This is a great show for that. Super lighthearted. Yeah. So nothing about it. That's it's Veronica serious. Mars meets zombies. Yeah. Like essentially fun. like, um, so that is currently on the last season's airing right now. Everything else is on Netflix. So you could catch up. Um, I'm catching up on Jane, the Virgin. I'm not caught up because they're like hour long, 22 hour episodes. I only have so much time. But I watched the first season, really liked it, and then for whatever reason, just never watched it again. It's like a spoof on telenovela, right? It, it I mean, it is a telenovela. It's an American telenovela. Oh, okay. Um, so I was a huge Ugly Betty fan. I This does the telenovela even truer 
So I absolutely adore it. Well, um, the lead is great. What's her face? Yeah. So Gina Rodriguez, yeah. I got, I wanted to, after watching something great, which we talked about last episode, I was like, oh my God, Jane the Virgin. I should like go back and see if that's worth watching. Um, and it is, it's super, super good. And if you like, you know, soaps, that's what it is. And so what I love about it embracing the telenovela aspect so much is it does like crazy like twin stuff and people being other people and they do like the mission impossible where they take the mask off and stuff and they have this narrator who like makes a joke he's like oh my god it's like a telenovela or something and it's like yeah it's it knows what it is and it plays itself like a telenovela and has those plot lines those really crazy plot lines but it's super lighthearted about it um and so i really enjoy that um, it's a very special show, which is also currently on its last season right now on the CW. Um, I'm probably not going to get caught up, but maybe in time for the finale. And then I watched Roswell, New Mexico. The new one. The new one. So Roswell aired, what, early aughts? Yeah. The original Roswell, which was on the WB, I think. Yeah, it came out around the same time as like a lot of those other teen shows. Yeah, 1999 on the WB is when it aired, so it was in the early aughts when it finished. Um, I watched that not when it aired, but later in like the Netflix DVD era. Yeah. So I'd get like the discs and I watched it that way and I really liked it. Because the main guy it. was on um, Dawson's, Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek, yeah. yeah. Um, and I liked it. Uh, it's very campy, the original. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's Katherine Heigl's in it, and you—if you watch it, you recognize the whole cast. They're all pretty much in TV still, actually, except for the main guy. I don't know if he's on anything. Um, so I was a little hesitant. I watched the trailer for the new one, which is called Roswell, New Mexico, and it played it out like a like a Romeo and Juliet star-crossed lovers thing. And I'm not a big trailer person. Um, I just, but I did watch it because I wanted to see if it was worth my time. And I was like, no, this isn't for me. And then I decided to watch it anyways. (laughs) And I was like, wait, this is actually really for me. I actually really liked it. And the, the farther it is from me finishing it, I'm like missing it and really excited for it to come back on. It did get renewed for a second season. Um, way less campy. Uh, they are no longer teenagers. So it's actually a show about people who are exactly my age it's like about 10 years after they graduated high school so they're all like um like 27 28 and i don't think we get a ton of tv shows with that age range we don't um and so like i'm not even watching riverdale right now um i'm not i couldn't get into the new season of sabrina oh what mm -mm. oh it's so good that bumps me out but okay so it's really nice to have a show that actually has people, like young adults, who I can more so relate to and their problems, but then it's also about aliens, and like, it's really enjoyable. It's 12 episodes, 12 or 13 episodes. Oh, Tyler um, Blackburn's in it. Yeah, Tyler Blackburn from Pretty Little Liars is in it. Um, it's, I mean, I don't really know what to say besides the fact that um, it's less campy, it's a more serious um just young adult drama you know Mm -hmm. um and so for that i really like it and i saw on twitter it was getting a lot of talk that this like female writer got hired for the writing staff and i'm not sure why it was like a big buzz i don't know if they don't have a team of female writers on it or not but 
a lot of people were posting on Twitter about how they were super excited to see like what she brought and were like congratulating her. Um, so who, who? yeah, what's who was her name? I don't know. I I that's hmm. it was before I started watching. It's um, she got brought on for the whole series or just for to write for season two. Oh, okay. Um. So anywho, that um, if you're looking for something new and you like. You liked the original. This one, I think, is better for sure. And I like what they do with the aliens better, too. Um, the universe they're building is more interesting. Um, and then I also watched Netflix Dead to Me, um, oh, yeah. which is Christina Applegate, Linda Cardellini, and James Marsden. It is advertised and marketed as a um, dark comedy, but it's super, super light on the comedy. It's very dark. Um, it incredibly well acted i mean i've been a champion of christina applegate forever always thought she was extremely underrated i think she's fucking hilarious and everything she's always like the sidekick or the best friend and she steal like every part she has is so funny she steals it for me um but it's created by liz feldman um will ferrell and um, adam mckay are the producers on it um it's excellent excellent tv um, ends with a cliffhanger, which I don't love, but excited for like what another year before we get season two. Um, so that one's really good too, especially if you like um, the darker stuff. A lot. It's you know reminiscent of Barry in that way. Yeah, I need to watch it. I keep like I mean I love the cast, and I just need to like sit down and I've I don't know I've been trying to like find I, I need to watch the first episode so I can figure out what the like vibe of the show is because I need to figure out what kind of mood I need to be in to watch it. I'm a very big mood person when uh, it comes to watching things. Oh, I'm a huge mood yeah. person. I think probably not best for you to watch it right now. Ah, okay, great. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Uh, it's a lot about like relationship loss and you know fun stuff like yeah, that. that fun stuff so and and dark take on it yeah um, so probably so not something probably not the best time to watch right, it got it good to know yeah um we need to talk about sabrina later uh yeah maybe we'll talk about that next episode yes. i have some thoughts it's very similar to my thoughts on the magicians so you know in case you guys can oh okay look good forward to, to that uh so the movie we covered this week is called the mutilator from 1984 um, I mean, we, B just texted me, she's like, we need to watch a movie, I was like, I just, literally, she tried to text me this, like, ten minutes after I finished watching Mutilator, I was like, the Mutilator, because <laughs> I was like, cool, I just watched it, it's You easy. said that about the suggestion, and that was half the reason why I didn't want to watch it, he said, oh, and it had a clown, and I didn't feel like a clown movie. Oh, um, Blood Harvest? Yeah, so he posted on Twitter, what should I watch, Fun House or Blood Harvest? And then I asked him, what movie are we doing this week? And he's like, Blood, Blood Harvest. Harvest? I'm like, that's cheating. No. Yeah. That's not how that works. And then, like, the next day, she texts me, and she's like, we still need to pick a movie, and I just finished Mutilator, so I was like, Mutilator. Um, and it's one of those, like, iconic covers that you've yes. seen a million, trillion times. Um, I actually found a really good article that I will post for you guys, um, interviewed with the director, Buddy Cooper, and the guy interviewing me is actually like, if you were a kid in the 80s and 90s, I mean, you saw this cover in the video store, and I, I mean, I don't, I probably saw it, like, even just looking at it, I was reminded of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I felt like it looked familiar. Um, It's definitely, again, like, the mutilator is one of those ones, because, like, once you start, if you start diving into the, like, slasher genre, it's a very, like, in recent years especially, it's one of those 80s, like, 
quote unquote like hidden gems or you know like cult classics. So uh, you'll see it pop up on a, lo- a lot of lists of like slashers, you like you know hidden like hidden gem slashers, whatever. Um, it pops up on there a, a lot of times with the Prowler, which is something I'm sure we'll get to eventually. Um, its alternative title, which is actually it runs on this title on Shutter, is Fall Break. Um, which is not a thing where we're from, really. Um, yeah, so it must be. So this was filmed in North Carolina. And I maybe they have fall break there. Maybe that's more of a thing. Um, like an East Coast thing? But maybe? I was watching it, and I'm like, was spring break taken? Was that like, did they need to film in the fall? So they're like, well, needs to be an excuse for these kids to be out of college. So we're going to call it fall break. I still don't really think it's a thing. Yeah, I think it's I an think East Coast thing. I think they just made it up, but... I mean, there's, like, winter break. And... Yeah, in winter. Yeah, I don't know. I still, like, maybe an East Coast thing. I don't know. I just Googled it, and it does look like some colleges have it, but they're mostly, like, Ivy League, so, like, East Coast things. So, um, holy shit, the synopsis. This undistinguished horror film by Buddy Cooper focuses in some detail on the blood and gore surrounding the gradual massacre of a group of teens, but it does not endow the storyline with the same careful attention. The premise is that a father becomes homicidal a good decade after his son accidentally kills his mother with while cleaning a gun. And what happened during those 10 plus years for why insanity comes as a rather delayed reaction are not explained. Where is this from, Rotten Tomatoes? Uh-huh. When the son, Matt Mittler, is away at college, he decides to bring along several friends to spend their fall break, the alternative title of the film, taking care of his father's condo at the seashore. Little does the son know his deranged father is lying in wait to wreak vengeance for the long-ago death of his wife. That's the most opinionated fucking synopsis (laughs) I've ever read in my life. Also, I find it fascinating. Not fascinating. Well, I do find it fascinating. But notice how you automatically said wreck havoc mm-hmm. just because those words are so often put together. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's uh, like a Pavlov thing. Like, it that's is. Weird. I find that. So my thing right now is my husband will say, oh, yeah, I can babysit Liam. And I'm like, no, you can't. You can watch him. You can parent him. You can't babysit your own kid. Yep. He's like, oh, my God, do you know what I mean? I'm like, no, we need to take that word out of our vocabulary 100%. as parents. Yeah. Because I, you're not babysitting him. You're taking care of him. It's definitely a pet peeve of mine when husbands. It's and it's always husbands. Sorry, men, but it's oh, I've never heard a mother say I'm gonna babysit my kid. But dads always are like, oh, I gotta babysit because they because socially that is a term that's used all the time. Yeah, and that's not gonna go away until we stop using it. Yeah, so. I agree. I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, um, but yeah, wreck, wreck vengeance. Um, uh, so released se- September twenty seventh, nineteen eighty five. So at least in tone with with fall break ish, because it's like October based. Yeah. So I think it was actually originally released in the summer, though. From what I was reading about it, under fall break, it was released in the summer with an unrated um, rating because of the gore. Un- and it did really well in New York, and then it got some screenings in L A. and it was picking up steam. It was doing really well. Um, but then it, they couldn't sell it in other markets because at the time, if it was unrated, it meant it was porn, pretty much. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a big stigma. Any unrated mm-hmm. film were pornographic. Yeah. That's why they were unrated. It mm-hmm. wasn't about violence or gore because... Right, and if you weren't in New York or the, L.A., yeah. that wasn't going to fly. Right, and right. this is the origin of the slasher where gore is, you know, huge. And so um, when they couldn't sell it... Um, Cooper decided that, all right, fine, we'll make some cuts. So they made some cuts, got an R rating, and then 
released it under the mutilator and that's the September release date. Um, and then he said it did okay, but the fans had lost interest at that point. Yeah. So. Wonder. It's one of those things you always wonder if it would be like a bigger thing if it had been able to come out with its original title, like all at the same time. Like a yeah. Bigger, a bigger market. And if it would have went out, because apparently it made like 400000 just in the New York screenings. It's, it's crazy the more we do this and like the more we find movies. I really want to maybe even like write an essay about how often in the 70s 80s movies were put out and then completely just re-released under like a different name Mm -hmm. or like i mean the burning i think was the big one we saw that did that remember or there's one we we that we did um i can't remember we're getting to the point we've covered so many movies Mm -hmm. but one of the movies we covered where it was like literally like they re-released it and almost acted like it was a different movie well that's um when we covered oh my god argento Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They re-released what the, it's what they did is they re-released it as um, what's his famous film, Suspiria Two. Mm-hmm. So it got released um, in another country as Suspiria Two. That happens a lot. As a separate movie, and it's the same movie has nothing to do with Suspiria, but they called it that just to get people to watch it. Did I not even talk about Texas? No. Oh, wow. God. Okay, next episode, guys. I promise I'll do my, like, Texas Frightmare stuff. But um, one of the writers for Ghastly Grinning, Jacob... Um, Jacob, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Trussell? Trussell? I don't know. I'm going with Trussell. Um, asked me to pick up um, a Blu-ray there because they had it, and it was a con exclusive. And that's it's it was released in... I can't remember what the original name is now because on the Blu-ray, it was released as Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 in Italy. But that's not it at all. Like, it's not a Texas Chainsaw movie. It's, like, a really weird, um, like, giallo, or I think it's a, like, um, it's a, like, a, uh, like, a ghost or a haunted house movie. Um, but, like, that, they did that a lot. Um, that Evil Dead movie we want to cover. Yeah. Um, was one that was released in, like, Japan, but under the name Evil Dead. Um, yeah, it's La Casa movie, right? Well, those are the movies that are the unofficial Italian sequels to the Evil Dead. Oh, movies. that's the Evil Dead, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but I mean, so it just happens a lot. It's very interesting to me for sure. Um, small budget Night killer. Night killer. There we go. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, oh, wow. And it looks really interesting. Yeah, it looks like a Buffy killer. Uh, Buffy demon yeah it does so it's like and it's but it all takes place in the house I know so it's like a haunted house slash demon flick or something um yes definitely what I think of when I think of Texas Chainsaw I'd I'd be interested to know why they go with Texas too uh Buddy Cooper is who was a North Carolina attorney used $150,000 of his own funds with a bank loan to produce the film um so the budget they estimate is somewhere between $750,000 and a million dollars yeah um, no box office. Uh, wasn't, I mean, it was out, but like I said, the only numbers I saw was the, um, Buddy Cooper talking about it making 400,000 in New York. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. For like a small scale horror movie. Yeah. Um, I'm sure now it's made its money back because like Arrow released like mm-hmm. a Blu-ray and it's beautiful and like shutter rights and everything. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it's made its money back by now. Uh, was received poorly yeah so i mean it's kind of the typical like we said slashers especially in the early 80s aren't received well because people are like cool these are just gore slash disgustingness so los angeles times 
critiqued it for being dull, amateurish, shocker, whose most striking characteristic is its complete lack of any ideas, good or otherwise. Variety called it a boring horror film designed strictly for fans of explicit gore. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah, that's um, and then film scholar Jim Harper retroactively um, notes in his book Legacy of Blood, a comprehensive guide to slasher movies. Although not a gore classic, the mutilator is bloodthirsty enough to keep gorehounds happy and just interesting enough to keep hold of viewers through the slow parts, which I also agree with. Yeah, I think that's a pretty yeah. accurate description. Also, I need to find that book. I'm just like, I need all the slasher books. Yes. Um, this poster, like B said, is very iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same, it's been the cover to the movie for every release it's had, VHS, yeah. DVD, Blu-ray, everything. Um, and the tagline itself is, like, very iconic, too. Yeah, uh, and it's really good. Yeah, I love the tagline. It's by sword, by pick, by axe, by by. Um, which I think is just like, it's simple, it's effective. It's, um, relates to the film. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, and then it has some wordplay because you have by sword, B-Y, and then it ends with by, by, B-Y-E. Yep. Which is fun. Um, yeah, B, go into this poster um, design. So, we have an illustrated poster with actually the characters from the film, which is amazing. Which is awesome, And yeah. a scene from, not necessarily a scene, but kind of a scene from the film. Mm-hmm. Um, he does put his victims all together, um, hangs them on the wall, and so we have that here. Um, we have our, at least our bikini-clad, like, sexy girl is actually in the film. Um, is she, yeah, she's blonde, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we show the, I mean, kind of the iconic weapon. Like the tagline says, he uses a variety of things, but Mm -hmm. this is sort of visually, um, the iconic weapon. It's a, what, uh. A fishing hook? Yeah, but like like a. Kind of, like a big one? But like a sea fishing hook. Yeah. That you do. It's essentially what the guy from I Know What You Did uses. Yes. Yeah. So it's, I, I don't know what you would classify it as. Um, like a big ass fishing hook. Yeah. Get you a big ass. It's probably like a fucking shark or something. Um, pretty much, yeah, actually. That's pretty accurate. It's set up really well. Um, so when we're talking about layout, um, we have our text in the top left-hand corner. So in the United States, we read left to right. And so as designers, you want to set up, if you want people to stay engaged with your poster, that's sort of a theory is you need to kept you need to keep them engaged so they're always looking around and that they read everything. So because that text is big and bold and white, it's the first thing that catches your eye. If you look at the poster, one of the things we do is we hang something on the wall and we look and say, what do you see first? And is that intentional? Is that what you want to see first? So you have your tagline and then it takes you into the scene. And then the way the hook is angled, you literally do a circle. So you stay in the poster. You're never leaving it. Um, so it's really, it's illustrated with a great design eye, um, and whoever typeset it did a good job. I mean, I absolutely hate the typographic logo Mm -hmm. is horrible. So where they have mutilator, it's in blue, which I, I like because it's set on the beach. That's great. Not everything has to be in red. But the top of the T is like the axe that he uses. It's awful. It's so bad. And it looks really medieval. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really hate it. And then and it, also from far away, it looks like a gun on the top. Oh. Like, I, like it looks like a gun with a scope almost. To me, it looks like, um, like a telephone pole. <laughs> yeah. 
from far away yeah. or um, something that somebody's hung on. Mm-hmm. It it looks, it's too detailed mm-hmm. for how small it is. Yeah, it's very bad. It's not necessary. Um, maybe it works better if it was by itself, but I don't think in this time they would have ever just used the logo type. And then you have like your typical red cartoony blood dripping down with written, produced and directed by Buddy Cooper underneath that doesn't look good either. Um, it looks bad because the co- the mixture of colors is just like so off-putting. Yeah. Like the really... Well, and also there's a really tiny faint black line in between the blood and the black and it's just, it's just not working. It just doesn't work. But otherwise, really well done. Like from the poster. mutilator up. Yeah. I mean... The illustration and yeah. the tagline are done really well. Um, no sequels. Uh, it doesn't really set up for a sequel, so yeah. I mean, it could always be possible, but it's not. Definitely was not meant to be a franchise. Yeah, I'm actually a little surprised it hasn't been remade. So it, in an interview when it was getting a bunch of steam when Arrow put this out, which I think was in like 2016 mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. around there, um, Cooper said there he this is the only film he ever made. Um, he actually owns the resort, the hotel that it was filmed at. Oh. And he works there and lives there. Um, and so, I mean, this was definitely a project that was possible because of his resources. Um, and he's mentioned like, oh yeah, I'd love, I guess he moved down to Hollywood, tried to produce some films, nothing really came of it. And he kind of just went back to North Carolina, um, which actually a lot of stuff films in North Carolina. That's a, it's like North Carolina, Georgia, um, those are both big East Coast filming locations. Not Georgia anymore. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know, they, I know. Um, they I might think, done fucked up on that one. Yeah. I think, wasn't One Tree Hill filmed in North mostly Carolina. North Carolina? Well, yeah, Wilmington? Dawson's Creek. Yeah, Dawson's Creek. Yeah. 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 Um, it's Wilmington's a very popular filming location. Yeah. Um, uh, that movie with Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth, The Last, last Ride. Right? Song. Last Ride? last song i don't know the last ride i think is another one isn't she in a horse movie too i don't know uh michael menard did the score he also did a return to salem slot um from 87 um is special effects a movie yeah i, I never heard of it uh it's your typical slasher oh fair. no it's actually really weird <laughs> <laughs> there well, i think it's when they're in the restaurant or something so Another trivia thing I found out that made it more sense to me, but as I was watching to it, I'm like, what the fuck is this like strange-ass soundtrack? Um, I don't understand. Um, Cooper really wanted to integrate like beach music because that's all they listen to there. Um, is like the, I don't know, he just called it like beach music. I mean, yeah, I get it. And so he asked Michael to integrate that. So I think part of the problem is that even when it's like suspenseful stuff, there's like weird, like high kind of upbeat piano notes in the back. And I'm like, all right, this is strange. There's a lot going on. It's really layered. I'll say that. So if you're like the scene out there in the restaurant, if you listen to whatever's playing in the background, I just, I was distracting. That whole scene is weird. It's so weird. That is one of the weirder scenes in the movie. Any scene where all of them are talking is mm-hmm. very strange because... Well, because they're all terrible actors, first of all. Because they're not actors. No, yeah. They're college students. Mm. 
they literally got a bunch of college students together. And I guess they had, like, the time of their life, and it was all this great set Oh, I'm, I can imagine it'd be but they're not super actors. fun. Yeah. Literally, one of them has gone on to act. The rest, this is their only credit. Because it's not, they were just there to, like, hang out for a summer. That's it. In uh, 29 days for a month. Yeah. Um, so this song... There's a fall break. <laughs> I do 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 do. It's yeah. So going on a fall break. It's so bad and <laughs> it's so weird. So, I definitely thought I was watching like Family Matters or something. Yes, it sets up like you're watching an early '90s, late '80s sitcom. family sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Because in like literally the whole thing is like a montage of them driving to the beach. Uh-huh. But there's like a scene where a guy gets out of the car to pee and they drive away without him, and he runs after the car. And it's like, oh, and he has that Ralph. What's his name? Yeah, I think it is Ralph. Yeah. He has the most. It's Ralph. Bill Hitchcock. Yeah. Yeah. As Ralph. Over like. Okay, go back and watch. There's this scene where they're in the car at the campus and Ralph's in the background and he's like big hand gestures and yes. like, oh, like looks like fake acting. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to just pretend to be doing some. I think they're like, oh, look busy in the background. He's like, okay, la di da. And his hands are like big and crazy. And I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, no, what it, is this guy it feels doing? like a, like a, a, satire of a sitcom yes, where like exactly. they drive away and he runs after him real yeah. fast like ding, like it feels and there's a part where they're driving across like this bridge and they're all in the car and they're drinking beer and then the cops are behind them so they all sit down and then the cops turn the other way and as soon as they notice they turn the other way they all get their beers back out and they're like partying in the car while the song like called fall break by peter yellen and the breakers is playing and the song is literally like the lyric, I can't remember the lyrics. I should have wrote them down. But like they integrate fall and break into the lyrics. Oh, but they're yeah. not together because it's like I'm gonna fall in love and you'll break my heart or some something like it's that. It's really good. It's it's really good slash terrible. Like, but it's super. It's so strange because a lot of '80s like horror movies do this. Like the first like 30 minutes of this movie is like an '80s comedy. Like it sets it up like it's an '80s comedy, mm-hmm. um, where it's like these teen these teens and they're going back. Like other than the really dark very first five minutes of the movie right um, which is like super silent and... yeah like there's no music or anything yeah. um and like very violent um and then it sets it up like you know hey, how many this years kid later cleaning guns which you know was never a good idea <laughs> yeah i know this kid with cleaning guns and it's like dear dad <laughs> leaves a note on his gun case um so yeah buddy cooper you need to listen to the song uh we'll post a link to it on on twitter yeah uh buddy cooper's the director it's the only movie he ever did um you know he, like we said he was an attorney in north carolina did, did this like kind of on his own he also I guess he is the movie. interested in doing a remake though or a sequel uh that'd be awesome a remake i'd be cool with a remake john douglas uh also co-directed uh it's his yes. also his only directing credit and he did special effects for the abyss and when you fall into my arms, I'll break into your heart. Yes, there we go. Yeah. That's a beautiful line. Oh my god. And you gotta hear how it's sung too. Because it, it the the best part is the whole song is like really like boop boop and then that part slows down like to a like a ballad. Like it's a romantic ballad. Um yeah, so John Douglas also co directed, which he it's his only directing credit. 
Um, like B said, no one from this went on to do anything other than Ed Jr., who... Our star. Yeah, our star, who's actually probably the only one who's a serviceable actor in the entire movie. Yeah. The two other guys are literally two of the worst actors I've ever seen in my fucking Ralph life. in particular. Uh, I, dude, so's me. the other guy, though. In that whole pool scene, I'm just, like, dying. I'm like, this is so bad. Yeah. Um, at they least... They should have... Well, when we get to that kill, I'll talk more in detail, but that whole scene should have just been cut. I, I, it's like one of my favorite scenes in the movie, though, because it's the so ridiculous. The music playing. Yeah. Um, so Matt Miller played Ed Jr. He went on to voice some um, characters in the Pokemon TV show. He was in Breeders, Dead Time Stories, Cracking Up. Dead Time Stories is definitely like the biggest out of all of those. Yeah, he was a werewolf. But he's been various characters in Pokemon like the whole run. That's so um, weird. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's so weird. Um, yeah, and then Ruth Martinez as Pam, Bill Hitchcock as Ralph, Connie Rogers as Sue, Francis Reigns as Linda, Maury Lampley as Mike, and then uh, Jack Chatham as uh, Big Ed. Um, yeah, so Maury Lampley and Bill Hitchcock, two of the worst actors I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and I mean, we at this point have watched some pretty questionable horror movies, and they, I, I can easily say, like, they're the worst out of everyone I've seen. Yeah, they're terrible. Um, it is a teen scream, though. Uh-huh. Like, definitely, they're in college. Scream. Oh, my God. That scene where, like, it's the only scene that, like, establishes them as, like, well, I mean, there's a scene in the cabin, but, like, when they're leaving school uh-huh. is the weirdest fucking scene. Like, when Ralph's, like, making up some story about what, how she can't come. How she can't come. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? And she, like, shows up and, like, sorry, you can't make it. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he, like, has this sad face. I'm like... Isn't that chick you're, like, trying to bang the entire weekend? Like, why do you... I don't know. It's so weird. And he, like... I think the point was he wanted to, like, stay behind on campus with her or something. I have no idea. Um, It's not a surprise. he's just a prankster. And isn't that I mean, that's kind of, like, what his whole, like, shtick is. Um, His whole shtick. Big Ed is our killer, which is Ed Jr.'s dad. are we... we... We're supposed to know the whole time, right? That he's the killer? Yeah. Yes, 100%. Okay. Yeah, we know Big Ed's the killer. I was like, oh yeah. Dude, he literally dad. tries to murder his child in the beginning of the movie. No, I know. But like, <laughs> and when it got to the scenes, I was like, well, that's his dad. Like, I'm 99% positive, but he didn't look the same. Yeah, and I think. So that's the only part that I was like, well, all right. So, okay. The, the way this movie starts is like we're saying, Ed Jr. is like in the house alone with his mom. And he is in a separate room, and he's cleaning his dad's guns. His dad is, like, an established trophy hunter, and he's cleaning his dad's guns as a birthday present. And his mom's, like, making a pie, I think, for, for or a cake for the birthday. And he's cleaning the gun, and at first you're like, oh, this kid's going to fucking kill himself because he's, like, looking in the gun. Um, but then he's, like, cleaning it, and he I think he does shoot it. Like, he, he pulls does the trigger. He does purposely shoot it. Yeah, because he thinks it's not loaded. Yeah. Which, also, I don't know why the fuck it is loaded, but whatever. And it, different times, right? It's a shotgun, and it bursts through the door, and he murders his mother. Yeah. And then immediately after he kills her, the dad shows up and finds her and, like, um, like seriously turns crazy, like, in a second. Like, I mean, just loses it and tries to murder his son. What I don't understand is then we flash forward 10 years, essentially. I think it's 10 years. No, we don't see him try and murder his son in the beginning. That's like a flashback. That's like a vision. No, he like legit pulls the gun out on his son and his son has to run away. Hmm. 
Like, that, like, legit, like, he acts like he's going to kill him. And then he's sitting there drinking with his wife. Like, in his arms. Yeah, in his arms. And, like, that's what I wonder is, like, it's very clear from that moment that he wants to kill his son. Yeah. What was their relationship like for the next ten years? Why was that son not taken away? That's yeah. But, because the way, like, so... Well, I thought they made it sound like, I don't know, I wasn't, like, maybe I wasn't paying attention enough, but... I thought he made a comment when he's at the table and his dad called about him being, like, in a crazy place or something. Well, yeah, because his dad calls and, like, essentially... I mean, it's just, like, his dad's a heavy drinker. And so, oh, especially and because... Oh, like always on a bender or something. Yeah, because when they get to the cabin, like, he's like, looks like dad, like, wasn't drinking alone or something. But he's just referring to how many bottles there are. Yeah. Like, his dad's just, like, a heavy drinker. Um, I don't... I, I could have swore... Yeah, B's pulling it up right now. I... Yeah, look, he pulls the shotgun out. Oh, I guess he... He, like, kind of chases him. I don't know. I got the implication, like, he's going to murder his son. Because it sure as fuck looks like he's, like, looking to kill. Um, But I don't know. Maybe I just read the situation We interpreted it differently. Yeah. I interpret it more of, like, he picked it up like this was the murder weapon. Oh, uh, you're right. I guess you're right. Yeah. Maybe I just, like, wouldn't have cared if his son died. Um... So the iconic weapon, like we said, like that, so that fish hook, or I guess it's somehow called an ice hook. I looked it up. Um, is like the kind of iconic weapon, but the most iconic kill in the movie is actually from that motor that he uses. Yeah. And then also the axe he uses multiple times. Yeah. So there's like lots of weapons and they're all pretty like stand out. Um, I will say a, a pitch. For it? Yeah, I'll say I appreciate. I do appreciate like the variety of stuff used in this movie. Um, yeah. It's not like it's not just like a machete or a knife or anything, which you know those can be classic iconic things. But he does like kind of bounce around, and it's all like done pretty graphically and like in spectacular ways. Um, so I do enjoy that at well, least. Yeah, for like a trophy hunter, that's something that's very they want to make known that he is capable yeah and is um and i think there's a big different i don't think there is a big difference from somebody who hunts for food um and for somebody who hunts for trophy Mm -hmm. those are two i'm very in support of hunting for food Mm -hmm. i'm very against hunting for trophies absolutely yes um it's a a a different sport if that's what you are going to call it yes it very Um, much is and so that sort of paints him as a specific person and so at with these kills like you're gonna expect him to use his environment and he does yep um so as we've kind of mentioned like this movie starts with like this group of teens that are on fall break and they don't really know what to do like they literally start the movie um like saying like guess we're just gonna hang out in town and like we didn't make plans for fall break yeah like one of them's like i'm gonna set the high score on the machine and then like someone else is like and then i'm gonna beat it and then and the other one's like and i'm gonna watch them do it and like they have nothing to do um and they're at this restaurant and they that's where ed jr gets the call from his dad mm-hmm. uh to come to the condos that he owns and take care of them like while like while this break is happening and at first he says no because he doesn't have a good relationship with his dad but of course his friends are like uh yeah we're gonna go to these oceanside condos and and like now we have something to do for fall break so they go to party essentially um so the movie 100 percent, like i said feels like an 80s comedy like 
you got three guys, three girls. They're basically all going to hook up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it feels like every other 80s slasher slash comedy. Um, and, like, that is the basic setup. And they all think that Big Ed is not there, but Big Ed is there. He's just, like, in the shed Filling outside. in his shed? Like, he, it very much seems like he's just passed out. Like, sleeping underground in under yeah. his house. Yeah, sometimes, like, it does seem like, like, it he's, looks like he's a vampire. Like, it looks like he's and yeah. there's, like, floorboards yeah. above him. And he's like, oh, I hear a noise. And he listens. And it's like, okay, I was like, does he commonly? Is that where he sleeps? Is that, like, his normal situation? And it's very much like... Is he hiding from the children? Yeah, it's easily, like, or it's early on, like, uh, like... Basically, Ed has snapped and he wants he wants to kill his kid. Like, yeah. he has lured him there, pretty much. Because as soon as they get there, like, there's all these mentions of, like, this is where Dad usually keeps his axe, but it's not here. And, like, that whole thing is so weird, too, because they're like, well, if it's not here, we should call the cops, because someone broke in and stole it. And he's like, okay, listen, I'll call the cops, or I'll call my dad tomorrow, and if he doesn't have the axe, then I'll call the cops and I'll let them know someone broke in. I was like, this is all fucking weird. Like, one... Your dad lives, I, like, the whole time I'm just like, why, that would never be my train of thought. Like, my train of thought would just be like, my dad took the axe. Period. The end. Like, yeah. I would never be like, someone broke in the house, fucking stole it, and I need to call my dad and ask if he has his giant fucking battle axe. Yeah. Because we need to know if someone broke in. This whole, like, it's written, I mean, you, you know, it's a guy who never did anything. So, mm-hmm. it's just written like, it's straight up a guy who was like, I want to make a slasher. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to. And this is what it's about. And I'm going to write the story I'm going to lay it all out for you and put the kids in situations where they can be killed. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like what we get. Yeah. Yeah. The. It's probably the, a solid 40 minutes before someone dies other uh, than the mom, the first five. It, the dialogue drags between these kids. Like you, it's so unnecessary. You're like, what are you even talking about? They play a couple games where oh, I'm like, what is yeah. this game? Like what, all of the interactions are painful. I'm just curious why the decision to have so... So I talked about it the last episode with Prom Night that a lot of people critique Prom Night and say like, oh, it's okay if you don't love all the 80s slashers. I'm looking at you, Prom Night. Um, because people think, think it's slow and think it's weird that there's this like disco scene in the middle of it and blah, blah, blah. But for me, it has... a cast of good actors mm-hmm. and when they are and it's well written so when those actors are discussing things with them it's actually interesting to watch and it makes sense and it develops the plot and it gets it gives you a little bit of investment the whole point in a slasher if you have 40 minutes without kills which is very common not as common in these 80s ones but later on and mm-hmm. like my favorite slashers are because it makes you care about the characters. Yeah, you're building, so, you're building the characters yeah, up. So when they die, you have an emotional connection to it. You can't really do that when you have a cast of college students who aren't professional actors. Well, and also, it's not just that. So, like, I mean, we've watched some movies that have, like, not the best acting. Like, both both the Mischief Nights, um, mm-hmm. like, come to mind. But, like, at least when you are trying to hear the story of, like, Especially in the like weird Stockholm syndrome mischief night, uh-huh. like you're you're developing your characters at least. Yeah. You're not even doing like like that was there was no intention from Buddy Cooper to develop characters in this. It was literally like 
raunchy teen comedy, like guys just trying to have sex um, and like doing weird drinking games. Yeah. They're slasher stereotypes. We have like the virgin final girl. We have the... Our hero. Our hero. hero. We have our jokester, our trickster. We have our horny couple. Yeah, we have our horny couple. They are literally slasher trope characters. But before the slasher trope existed, really. Uh, 84. It was established. Not a Friday lot, Friday the 13th came out in 80. Uh, I guess that's yeah. true. Yeah, and Prom Night and Terror Train, and it was established by 84. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. but, like, so... I mean, it didn't, hadn't been established for 20 years, like, when we get... Right. But, like, this would be, like, a, probably not... an early, indi- like, an early one of, like, cardboard cutout characters. Correct. Of, like, of your tropes. Yeah. Well, no, I think it's exactly, like, he probably spent three years watching those movies and was like, I want to make one of these. Yep. Yeah. Because they all pretty much, all the big ones are like 80, 81, and then the sequel sort of came out. Yeah, and it's just like, like B said, like they play these weird drinking games and like they like joke around with it. Like none of them really seem to like each other. I even like, except the two who are like hooking up, like actively oh, yeah, having everybody sex. Everybody else doesn't, none, the other two couples don't really even seem that interested in each other. No, at all. Like yeah. I, I kept, I kept thinking like, Who's with who? Because no one seems to be interested except the two that are constantly, consistently all over each other. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we spend a while just kind of doing this, like, weird buildup of, like, we understand that Big Ed is somewhere on the property, like, in the house. Like, he's pretty much awoken by these kids yeah. coming into his house. B-set, like, B-set, actually, like, the more I think about it, he... <laughs> He acts like a fucking vampire. Uh-huh. Like, he's, like, hidden in the dark. He and he's only, like, yeah, he only comes out at night. Yeah. Um. So, like, and, you know, I will say, like, I'm just a sucker for this setting. Like, I love these, like, beach, like, these beach settings. Like, like I don't know why. I just, like, really enjoy, like, the scenes on the beach at night. Like, walking on the beach at night. And, like, so the first, like, kill, the first kill we get is this weird fucking set piece of, like, this outdoor pool, but it's indoor. Like, it's covered. And, like, a tent. And, like, yeah. a tent, which is super bizarre. Um, and it's got, like, all these exotic plants lined around it and these lights. And it's all, it's almost, like, steamy because of the tent. So it's, like, almost, like, sauna-ish. And that's when we get, like, our two horny characters, Linda and Mike. Um, like, they get naked to go swimming. And then uh, Mike gets out of the pool, I think, to go turn the lights on because they're turned off. Um, which they were turned off by Ed, and in that during that time, Linda's killed. She's drowned by Ed, and he like. Also, this whole scene is completely like makes no. She's literally drowned and pulled out of the pool without the guy noticing at all. Yeah. And the pool is not that big. Like you can see. I mean, it's just one of those suspension of disbelief things. But it's like it's just so hard sometimes oh. when they when they do it like this. I'm like, dude, come on, like. I understand that sometimes in in like in slashers, specifically in slashers, you get frustrated because you're like, turn around, or you're like, come on, just notice. But like, this is like really bad. Like, I mean, a guy gets into a pool, drowns a woman, and takes her out without the other guy even noticing. So apparently, the it was, and this is why I think this whole scene should have been cut. Anyway, it's also why they're in their pool. They play like this the subtitles will tell you romantic music Hmm. tonally it's so weird this even shifts like tones because it doesn't play like a romantic scene in a comedy it plays like a romantic scene in like a sleazy yeah romance oh yeah absolutely um so apparently originally she was supposed to be shot from beneath with the spear gun but they couldn't get it to work 
And so on the spot, they're like, well, we'll just drown her. Interesting. So it it doesn't even... We have this really fucking tonally weird scene. It's the most like, okay, come on scene in the movie yeah, where yes. you're like, this is stupid. And it's a shitty kill. Yeah, it's... Oh, yeah, the, it's boring. Like... I thought she was just knocked out. Like, literally, that's how long she's underwater. Yeah. I was like, oh, so he's, like, dragging yeah. her out, and he's going to string her up and torture her. Nope, yeah. he killed her. Yeah. Um, but it does lead to what is, like, a really cool scene, at least, I think. Um, so, like, basically, Big Ed, like, breadcrumb trails Mike with pieces of clothing. Yeah, it makes him think, like, ooh, okay, we're going to get sexy in this shed, or mm. where, the garage. Yeah, I, I think it's the garage. It's, like, it's yeah, the garage of the condo. Yeah, yeah. the condo. Um, and he, he's pulled in there, like, he's lured in there by Ed, and he's gutted with an outboard motor, which is fucking brutal. Um, yeah, he, like, opens the shed door inside the garage. Yeah, so here's the bummer, though really cool kill like really cool like the motor like you get it it's like stripping away his flesh and it's like like steaming through him holy shit worst death like acting i like he's literally sitting there like ah 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 like his hands are up and i was like like watching it i was just like holy fuck you like this could be a really cool death scene and you're so bad at even acting like and what i don't understand is like why they chose to literally put the camera on his face like i know they probably didn't have the effects to make it like fully look like it but you could have done like side shots or from behind like so many different things you could have done to make it so you're not seeing fucking mike what's his real name maury lampley just like do some of the worst acting i i i mean like the 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 like i said the men are just the worst like in this the the worst the women are all like serviceable i mean they're not great but like it's like whatever but like this guy is so bad him and ralph are just so fucking bad okay moving on i can't look it up look at this fucking death scene it's so bad okay so that is yeah that's how mike dies um we get the cops who become suspicious of like something going on um so like that one of them is like kind of independently investigating and he's decapitated with an axe um and then this there's this whole scene where the kids decide to play like this weird hide and seek game in the house yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me and so the game is called like a hundred and something basically what they do is one of them stays in the house the other ones go outside oh and they drink a beer and the, and then when they're done drinking a beer, they go inside. And what happens is when they find the person who was hiding, they also hide with them. And then it comes down to the last person. So if you're the last one to find everyone, then you're it. It's like reverse hide and seek almost. Um, so this is essentially, of course, like where we get most of our kills happening because we're getting all of the kids separated. Um, and it's nighttime now. They're all drinking. Um, Mike and Linda are already dead. Um so ralph uh, you know our prankster he is murdered with a pitchfork through the throat which is pretty solid yeah it's a good kill i mean all the kills in this are actually really good yeah and the practical effects are solid yeah. like considering that he had a smaller budget like what he manages to do with practical effects are like really good um sue's kill is particularly gross because she gets a hook in the groin which is like yeah know, so overtly... and that's kind of like gone to be like one of the ones that gets talked about about being like Really metaphorical for, like, men's, you know, the slasher genre. And often in a lot of the films, um, you can make 
sort of comparisons or illusions that the killer is using these specific weapons or like the knife, you can say that it's a a metaphor for, um, you know, sexual aggression. And, and a lot of people have, you know, sort of retaliate against that idea and says that like demeans the genre. But I think in a lot of ways you, they were doing it without even realizing that they were doing it. And so I a hundred percent listening to what the director said about this kill is exactly what happened because he said, I just tried to think of something like one of the most awful ways to die and like something that'd be really gruesome and uncomfortable. And this is what I thought of. And I'm like, well, of course it would be horrible, gruesome. You're, literally sticking a hook inside a woman's vagina and ripping out her body that way. Yeah. Like that's pretty. And I guess there was a woman on set who said, I will not be there to watch that. I don't blame her. Yeah. And I don't blame her. It's a really like graphic and power and it's uncomfortable. As soon as it happened, I was like, Oh, Oh my God. Cause it feels like it feels like way more of like a sexual attack. Oh sure. yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, anything like I hate the word that like, penetration but like mm-hmm. anytime you have that it's mm-hmm. like brutal it yeah. really is and so like and well yeah just like i mean there's there's a reason why the teeth movie is so famous and it's actually retaliating against a lot of horror films that show violence against women and violence that's you know maybe seen more in a sexual way and people always talk about it because guys are like oh my god she's like bites off their like penises i'm like yeah that's uncomfortable isn't it yeah imagining that's uncomfortable isn't it yeah um and it's yeah like be said though it's it's effective like it, yeah. it like you it's kind of a gut punch You're like oh like i truly and like i mean i obviously watch a lot of horror movies was not expecting it at all yeah and it's weird too like it's weird too how nowadays like people are always like we're so desensitized and like movies are worse and i'm like the 80s were pretty bad man like like, because there were less restrictions on things, so they got away with a lot. Like, I don't think a, a, that wouldn't fly now, I don't think. It'd be much more controversial, at least. Like, I think a director would really have to think about putting a scene like that in his movie, because it'd be like... It'd have to have meaning behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And not just be like, oh, I didn't really think about it. It's like, yeah, because oh. it'd be like, no, you like, especially just the era we exist in, it's like, you have to think about it yeah. now. Like, you, like, because there are movies that, like, things are like that are still happening, but I think they're usually movies like Revenge or something like that, where it's like it's a female empowerment story. Um, like you can't really have that stuff without some sort of like rebuttal against it. Um, yeah. And this is kind of like our big climax here. Um, you know, like Ed, it's become like, no, like he's chasing after them. Um, so there's like this big scene where Ed Jr. And Pam are trying to get away and they're like in the car and it won't start. And Ed, like they think he's like, he's like unconscious in the garage. And then he's suddenly on top of the car and he's like reaching through the window and reaching through the top of the car and they finally get the car to start and they manage to back him into a wall and it literally severs him in half and the police show up yeah uh i mean 80s movies logic um it looks good again all the practical effects look great um and he's severed in half this is the best part the cop comes over and is like oh it looks yep he's dead and then ed for just you know one last that that famous you know scream yeah double like, tap yeah like you know scream always says like the killer jumps up for one last attack and he does and he fucking just straight up cuts the cop's leg off yeah. um like from the knee down yeah. so the cop is sitting there like one legged uh and then ed dies and yeah. that's the end of our movie yeah and yeah the deputy is listed as a kill um i mean he could have survived that i guess yeah i mean he definitely could have um so we end up having seven, seven. kills yeah 
seven, eight, nine total, but seven from our killer. Because yeah. um, the mother is killed by Ed Jr. on accident, and then Ed is killed by Pam with the car. Yes. Um, and in a very, I feel like, rare instance, we have a final boy and girl. Yeah. It's, so, um, Ed Jr. and Pam. Um, how Friday the 13th, 2009. Yeah, Pam is not interesting at um, all. Okay, so what I will say I like about Pam is that she is not dumb. She's not a heroine. That's definitely right. gets Ed. That's yeah. Ed's job yes. to be the hero. Yeah. Um, and to be the like, no, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, and then be like, oh shit. Um, she does sort of have a redeeming moment in the end where she gets to kind of save Ed Jr. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's nice. Um, I like that. I like about her the whole entire movie. She's hella sketched out. Yes, she, she is, is the one that constantly is, is telling like, Ed like something is wrong. I don't know about wrong. this. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. She's the one who's like, "We're getting the fuck out of here." And Sue's like, "No, we can't leave without Ralph." And she's like, "No, we're getting the fuck out of here." And I just, I liked that about her. And I liked that, you know, we talked about it with the Prom Night remake, how, you know, our final girl got no moment. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I liked that Pam got a moment where she got to actually be the one to not only save Ed, who's been the hero sort of the whole time, but she also is the one who ends up killing um, Ed Sr. Ed Sr. Yeah. So I did like, I liked that arc for her. The rest of it, whatever. I mean, it really wasn't anything too interesting. She's not an interesting character. No, yeah. But I enjoyed those two aspects a lot. She does, like, she comes through a lot in the climax of the movie, which is nice because she is not, like you said, she's not a dumb character. She doesn't do dumb things. She makes, like, rational decisions even under pressure. Um, I was going to say, she's not terribly interesting. She's still more interesting than Ed Jr. Ed Jr. is, like... Yeah. the least interesting character like they're all very uninteresting but ed jr is given like even the least amount of stereotype um because he's yeah, not like he a prankster and he's not horny like he just gets the the jock he's yeah, the jock character pretty much um so neither of our final characters are like super interesting but as you said like pam does have like a good solid like at least final 10 minutes of the movie um favorite kill in the movie what do you got um I am going to have to say, I mean, I think I'm going to have to go with Sue's, like, very violent hook in the groin kill, and I will just say, because it is so effective, like I said, I mean, I'm pretty desensitized, and it got me, Yeah. and I was very uncomfortable by it, and, I mean, that was the director's goal, Um, and I mean, I think it really came across, like, it was brutal. Yeah um mine's the outboard motor yeah just because fun yeah it's fun and i love really well done unconventional kills like i'm a big fan of like when someone can figure out a way to use like something that i mean and slasher is our favorite genre from the landscape yeah and so like obviously we're used to seeing a lot of machete knife i don't have a problem with those kills they're classic and like when they're done right they're still really effective and impactful but when you can use something that's a little different i think that's why even like when Texas, like, you know, every time I watch Texas, it's just different because it's like, that's a fucking chainsaw. Um, so, like, yeah, the outboard motor is definitely going to be my favorite one. Um, as far as horror landscape goes, like, it's it's a staple for 80s slashers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very cult. I mean, it was famous enough that Arrow, like, chased after it. Right. And, you know, Arrow's going to be one of the, I, I mean, Arrow puts out, like, a lot of cult stuff. Um, but, like, you know, I feel like they're at least... 
a lot of the time still pulling some of the bigger like it's not until you get to like synapse that you're like what the fuck is this or vinegar syndrome that's yeah. where you get like your really weird shit yeah. like demon like, wind and stuff yeah um but you know like arrow has yeah they like they definitely went after this and you know it's on shutter now which is going to help um it's on amazon too Right, and so, like, B and I often talk about how, like, you know, when you get past your base level of stuff, like, then you get to that kind of second layer. Like, to me, there's almost, like, three layers, um, and so it's, like, your big stuff, you got your Halloweens, and I, I even put, like, my Bloody Valentine at this point in the big, like, mm-hmm. it's up there. Then you have your second layer. This is kind of, like, in your second layer, where it's, like, like I said, if you Google, like, slasher movies, like, you need this to see, it'll pop up. Then you have your third layer. That's where you get, like, your curtains. Yeah. Um, the, the curtains is on the third layer yeah. of things. But, but you this, gotta see curtains. Yeah, you do have to see curtains. Because curtains is the best. Uh, so this is our 39th movie that we've watched. If you guys follow along with us, you'll know that if you go to keepstreaming.com slash the dash list... Um, we rank all of our movies, and it's not a favorites list. It is a, a kind of a ranking of what we feel, how it works as a slasher film. Yeah, because I can tell you this is going to rank pretty damn high, um, I think. And yeah. And definitely not And B did not like this movie. So I really enjoy this movie because I like the camp. Um, I think it's goofy enough that, like, it holds my attention, and the whole time, like, I'm needed, laughing because it's so it bad. It needed to be goofier for me. Yeah, it's not quite as goofy as Blood Rage. No. Um, but, like, I just, the song does it for me, and like I said, I'm a sucker for, like, beach stuff, even though I hate the beach. I love beach settings and things, um, so I like the whole, like, beach condo setting. Let's put that forever on record that Ryan just said he hates the beach. I do hate the beach, and you know that. Sand gets everywhere. It's awful. And also, the ocean is scary. It's We have explored more of the moon than the ocean, and that's where sharks live. So, you know, it's terrifying. Um, so number one is still My Bloody Valentine 1981. My God, I don't know how long it's going to be the reigning champion for a very long time. Um, followed closely by Black Christmas, 70, uh, 1974's Black Christmas. And then um, t- at the tail end of our list, we have April Fool's Day from 86, Girls' Night Out from 82, and Cry Wolf from 2005. Uh, there, are, there are reasons. Go back and listen to those episodes, and you'll see why they're ranked so low, because we actually enjoy it. We, we truly enjoy Cry Wolf and April Fool's Day, especially April Fool's Day. Um, oh, we don't like Girls' Night Out, but... I, uh, I blocked that movie out. All I can remember is the bear suit. I just And the guys drinking together. Like no, I definitely remember I that. definitely think if you ask me what happens to Girls' Night Out, I will. it's just a nice little bubble, and I just see a floating bear head and go, I don't know, there's a bear costume. Um, like a bear kills somebody. I just remember, what, like, still one of, like, watching it and texting you while I'm watching it. And both of us are like, what the fuck? And then I remember thinking in my head, why did Brandon tell us to watch this? And then we get to the scene with the guys drinking shirtless. And then when we had him on the show, he talked about that. I'm like, oh, so yeah. Maybe I just remembered that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's our list. And you can find the, yeah, the whole thing we've done. This will be our 39th movie. We have, I, I don't know. We're one episode below or about, we did two movies in one episode. So I don't know. Uh, our 38th episode, but our 39th movie. Yes. Because we did both Mischief Nights in one because Ryan can't follow directions. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, that's true. Um, so... As a slasher, this works pretty well. Yeah. It does all that we have our tropes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have, like, our killer. I mean, I think he does, like, it's a pretty good, like, cat and mouse thing. Um, it's family-based. We start with a kill. We do a flash forward. Mm-hmm, We've got a group mm-hmm. of teens in an isolated environment. Yeah. Yeah, we um, get some really solid kills. 
Um, the killer is not interesting. His motive... No, so it follows... So I think what this is going to come down for ranking is... Is it work as a slasher? 100%. It's a cardboard cutout slasher. Yes. But, so, I mean, high on the list because of that. Yeah. But then we have to evaluate. It's like, well, okay, I had great kills. How's the killer? Not How's interesting. How's the final girl? Right. Not yeah. interesting. Exactly. How's the score? Not good. Not good. So, like, that automatically... Cause How's the theme song? Excellent. Because, like, as a slasher, you look and you go, you're like, oh, the burning. It, like, slasher-wise almost works on that same level but the killer nowhere even close to Cropsey. Mm-hmm. um and like the score not even close to the burning the cast not as likable not mm-hmm. as interesting yeah so then i start looking like black xmas because silent night deadly night is another good one to kind of like compare it against because that's also another like really good solid you know has like the good backstory build up some solid mm-hmm. kills the killer's interesting mm-hmm. but i even think the killer's better in silent night deadly night yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night um, is a twist on it because we're seeing it from the killer's point of view. Right. It's his narrative and mm-hmm. not um, a final girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm like, okay, Black Xmas. So I'm looking right, probably Prom Night is another good like staple to look at because Prom Night works pretty much as like a slasher formula. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, actually, that's a good range. Prom Night, Happy Birthday, Intruder, like right around there. Yeah, so it's definitely better than, an, I think it's, Better than Intruder and Happy Birthday to me as a slasher. Yeah. It, Intruder for sure. Yeah. It's um, almost on the same level in the sense of like it has the inventive kills. Um, but like the as. structure works better as a slasher. Yeah. And also has. like Intruder. Intruder probably has like a better filming technique. The characters are more enjoyable. The killer is on the same level. Just completely uninteresting. Yeah. And like no real motive. I don't think it's better than Prom Night as, as a, slasher. a slasher. Yeah, and Prom Night's what we did last week. Yeah. Um, or last episode, whatever that was. Yeah, so because, like, you look at it and, like, Prom Night is – they're similar in the – they're very similar in the fact that, like, they have this, like – they flash forward and there's, like, kind of a long – tedious buildup but prom night does better with that uh-huh. like so and you care more about your characters jamie lee carries that movie yeah um and and then like you were saying like you needed to be goofier like prom night does that because it has like the dance stuff that's silly but it's fun so the thing that prom night succeeds at that this film doesn't is the tone fits the film mm-hmm. the tone for this is all over the place it it should be like it feels like what they've succeeded more now in like movies like that aren't necessarily slashers, but like Shark Night 3D, for example, mm-hmm. where you have a group of college kids and um, it's all fun or even like the new Friday. Um, and it feels like a really fun, enjoyable. There's jokes. It doesn't feel weird. But then when you get to the spot you get to your isolated environment where the kills are going to happen. The tone changes. The tone shifts mm-hmm. into horror movie. It never goes back. Yeah. Where this film, it's like starts as a horror film and then shifts into a super goofy, like American pie kind of type over the top yeah. comedy. And then and your then, first kill happens and then it goes right back and to then weird it goes, teen comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it doesn't find that balance where prom night does Mm -hmm. the goofy disco scene isn't goofy because it's a movie about prom right so it's appropriate also i watched shark night last night did you i did yeah i really need to watch it yeah 
It's one of our faves. It's so good. We love Shark Night 3D, guys. Um, and we love the theme song, too. <laughs> it also is a theme song. Um, cool. Well, then I think our new number 19, After Promenade Before, Happy Birthday to Me. Yes. I'm comfortable with that. What's this movie called? The Mutilator. The Mutilator. Um, yeah, so it's going to be our new number 19. Um, this list is getting so big. I know. So big that we can't even remember movies. Yeah, I mean, I I remember all the movies, but I'm starting to forget, like, pieces of them. Or, like, when the stuff we learned about it. Like, oh, we know that this guy was involved in this, but what film was that? Yeah, or it was like, oh, we know we talked about, like, this happening in this movie, but which one was it? Yeah. Um, cool. Well, that's yeah. exciting. Um, Mutilator is our new number 19. Um, we are headed into, so, let's see, it's May. It's been, it's, I don't know how it is for you guys. So, you know, we're Sacramento based. It has been weirdly rainy. Um, That's not that weird. No, I guess it's not that weird. It's just been like. May and beginning of June are pretty rainy. And then we get four months of 100 degree yeah. dry weather. Yeah. So we're going to, I mean, as B and I said, we're big like tone, like, uh-huh. um, like in mood uh, watchers. So let us know what you think is like a summer movie. Um, we do really, really, I mean, last year we got to cover The Burning, which was fucking mm-hmm. great. Um, but we want to figure out, I think we've been talking about going into Friday or Texas because both those feel summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Texas well, feels we'll, hot. Well, 100% cover one of them, if not both of them this Yeah, yeah. yeah. We want to, f- so, we're, and we're still working on like that. Like, I don't know if we're going to do integrate them into our list and then have our own separate list that might be the way to do it actually is integrate them into the slasher list but then rank them on their own as franchises Mm -hmm. like have separate franchise lists i think that might be the best way to do it um but yeah let us know if you have anything that feels like summer maybe that there's like sleepaway camp and stuff like that i know you don't like that movie i don't i know i'm sorry for anyone out there who's a big sleepaway camp michelle i know you love sleepaway camp too and I've never seen the sequels, but I did enjoy the first one. They're fine. But it's been Felissa a while. Rose is the sweetest person in the world. I will say that. Like, she's just the nicest Ryan's person. Ryan's going to name drop over here. Yeah, sorry. Um, she bought me a fucking drink in Texas. So, I mean, I she's... Is, is the fact that someone, this lady who is, like, a crazy famous in, you know, the horror genre bought me a drink i was like no i need to buy you a drink and she was like no i'm buying you a drink i was like fuck okay that it's just so cool i'll talk about texas next time ryan's uh, famous now guys <laughs> working on it i had i had a baby and he got famous yeah we're we're doing things over here yeah. um but yeah if you have anything that feels like summer to you let us know i mean we know the big ones we got friday in texas but if there's anything we're kind of missing um and that's kind of why i picked this one too because yeah, i know it's called fall break but it feels like a like a break like they go to the beach and stuff and i was like okay it's kind of like a summer break movie essentially um yeah so let us know um and you know if you have any other suggestions or just want to talk to us you can find us online and until then keep screaming